0: Welcome, welcome back to She Can Talk, the podcast. I am your host, Colleen, aka Ganga MC, if you're looking for that music. Uh, right now, we got some music on titles, some videos on Apple, Deezer. So go ahead and support a sister. We got that new video obvious on YouTube, so go ahead and check that out. Support a sister, spread the word. We're working on some new stuff for the top of the year. Anyway, moving along. If you want to find out what I'm cooking, what I'm eating, you can go over to Clean Eat Wings on Instagram as well. We also got Doe Records, D O E underscore records, or the website, Doe Records.com, If you want to submit music for consideration, if you want to book for shows, if you just want to come holler at a girl, at your girl, come do so over there at Doe Records.com. And how can I forget? I also have a podcast for She Can Talk. Well, excuse me. <laughs> I do have a podcast for She Can Talk. I also have an Instagram for She Can Talk. And you can go over there. It's called She Can Talk Podcast. Also on IG. Right now, basically, I just use it to keep you posted on whenever we drop new episodes. But I will get a little bit more interactive with there. And I'm also going to be using that for a giveaway soon because we have the holidays coming up. And I feel like giving. So, yeah, it really was a rocker with me. I gave away a few HelloFreshes, you know, during the album. Well, not it wasn't the album release. The single release. God, Ganga, get it together tonight. Lord, she can talk and I'm all over the place. But I did do a HelloFresh giveaway when I dropped the video for Obvious a couple of months back. I had four to give away. I ended up giving away two, and I tried to extend it, but nonetheless, I ended up giving away nonetheless to some family and friends and showed some love that way because HelloFresh was an awesome, awesome opportunity and experience, and I wanted to share that with family and friends. Also, I don't know, I'm thinking about being you know, given I'm in the gift given season. So I'm going to be doing a giveaway soon and it will be wrapped around my music and wrapped around some other things like this podcast. So stay tuned for that. Hey, ah. so this episode, before we get into it, I just want to give you guys a heads up on what I've been doing. I have been, I told you, I think I probably told you before that I've been experimenting with making my own, you know, different ruses and sauces for whatever I'm cooking, right? Um, I'm also still replicating or doing, what is it, copycat menus and stuff. So I have really been trying a lot of Japanese tacos and just different things on my own. So um yeah, you can go over to um Clean Eat Wings and see some of it. I, I honestly haven't really been posting a lot of food lately, so I apologize. But I will be getting back on that for y'all because the holidays is dropping, and you know, Mama about to cook, and Mama got to see what we cooking for the holidays. Hey. And right now, I am. If you know, if you have been with me at least since last year, you know around the holiday times, I like to get special cakes or special desserts for the family to indulge in. Last year, I got Royal Caribbean from the bakery itself. Shout out to Royal Caribbean, be a in Bronx. Big up yourself. All fruits ripe. And they sent me some um, hard dough bread, some bula kiek, and some bun. Some Christmas spice bun. So, i have some bun and cheese on thing there. So, I'm thinking I might do that again for Thanksgiving, not for Christmas. I mean, I know. No, I'm still thinking about it. But um, let me guys know. Let me know. I have a week, probably less than, or maybe, yeah, but right about a week from today for us to... Um, for me to figure out what i'm gonna be using for a dessert or what i'm gonna be giving the family for a dessert i normally do like i did macarons. i always try to do something different not the regular sweet potato pies and you know pumpkin pies and all that stuff honestly i'm not really a baker like that so i really don't be in the kitchen baking so i am a, a a cake buyer or a pie purchaser and um so i always like to try to try something different so if you guys are into um desserts or specialty treats for the holidays let me know so yeah oh my goodness this episode is called passing for a reason because I am reviewing the movie that I recently seen on Netflix called passing I don't know if you guys have seen it if you have seen it indulge me let's let's interact and leave your comments let me know what you thought of the movie and um tell me if you agree with what I thought of the movie so you know my name isn't Colleen, spoiler alert, Lawrence for no reason. So this episode will be filled with spoiler alert. So if you didn't see the movie, hopefully this would be considered an incentive for you to see the movie and maybe you can use my episode as a guide to say, Hey, I agree with Colleen or nah, she's off. I looked at the movie and this is what I can, my conclusion on it. All right. So here we go. So it stars Tessa Thompson. I don't know you know, Tessa Thompson, like, I don't know. I just think of Janelle Monae when I think of Tessa Thompson, but, um, she's been on a lot of things like men in black. She's been in Thor. she's been in Creed you know she stars in this movie Passin and also it co-stars Ruth Nega and I hope I am not butchering her name is Ruth N-E-G-G-A and she's an Ethiopian and Irish actress and um she has been in ironically in addition to Passing, she's been in Lovin she's been in um Preacher I don't think I've seen that one Misfits Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Just to name a few. So both of these actresses, like if you see their faces, you would be like, yeah, I know these ladies. Right. Good actresses. Good at what they do. Both of them. Both. Um, I don't really know their origin to say, like, if they are truly biracial in real life. But based on Ruth's nationality of Ethiopian Irish leads me to believe that she might be biracial. Tessa Thompson. I'm not sure. Let me take a look. You know, you know, that's a good question. Is Tessa biracial? Good question. Let me see real quick. Not that it matters, but let's see. No, it just says she's bisexual. It doesn't say anything about her being biracial. Like I said, only thing I could think of is um, Janelle Monet. But let me see here. Her mother's half Mexican and half European ancestry. And her father... It looks like he might be, oh, he's Afro-Panamanian. So yeah, so both of these ladies in this movie are both um, biracial, I guess. So the whole premise of this movie is like 1920s New York City, and it's about um, two women that were friends growing up, and they came into, like they, they moved away from each other, grew apart. One married a successful black doctor and lived life as a black woman. One married a successful white um, salesman or sales, yeah, salesman, and lives life as a white woman. But they were both from Harlem, both, you know, in the 20s grew up together and they ironically both pass for white. Now one does it like on 100% full-time daily basis and that's Claire, and then Irene and Claire is played by Ruth Negga, and Irene is played by Tessa Thompson. So Tessa or Irene, she passes at her convenience. Like say, for example, it's points in the movie where she's like, you know, I want to, you know, I'm looking for a toy for my son. But she knows that A, they probably don't sell these toys in the black neighborhood or they're not as available in the black neighborhood. And then B her son and her husband, they're dark skinned, so they cannot go into these stores and purchase a toy. So she says, okay, when she's looking for certain things for her family and just getting the benefits of being able to purchase things without harassment and even like go to expensive hotels and enjoy a glass of lemonade because it's cool out, take a cab, you know, stuff like that. Whereas if you are black, you can't really hail a cab in certain parts of the city and so forth during these times. So, she used her passing for her convenience, whereas when she was uptown, she relished in being a black woman. She had a black husband. She had black kids, beautiful brownstone. She even had a black housekeeper. So she was 100% black, I guess you can say, right? So um, she uh, she's out one day shopping. She's like, oh, I'm hot. I'm flustered. She has a cab. The taxi man take her to a hotel, lavish hotel, Midtown, and she's enjoying lemonade in the you know, lobby or whatever, and she sees a couple comes in, the couple's white, she's not really paying him any attention because she's passing, so she always tries to like, you know, wear these hats and wear certain things that's going to really cover up a 100% of her features, so if you're just seeing like, you know, I guess the white skin, and you're not really seeing her like full lips or her, you know, broader nose, I guess, then you wouldn't really be like, okay, are you white or are you black, etc., so she's really trying to avoid them or avoid eye contact with them because she knows she's passing, right? But the girl that's looking at her is like, won't break the stairs. She's like, I know you. So she's like, oh, my God, my cover's blown, I guess. So she comes over to her and she was like, Irene, you know, Rennie, such and such from Harlem. And she was like, no, no, I don't know you. She's like, yes, you don't remember me. So come to find out that was her friend from elementary school all the way up until, I guess, they got they became adults and went their separate way. And actually, I think her the girl's father died when she was still young. And then she had to move to Chicago, which is what Claire had to do. Irene stayed in Harlem. Married a black doctor and basically enjoyed New York City, and also had the convenience the convenience of passing for white when needed to enjoy the opulent lifestyle that she further lived because she lived very opulently in Harlem. It wasn't like she was in a hood or a project. She lived. She had a, a maid. Okay, and she slept till noon, and she lived a really. Le- she lived a very leisurely lifestyle she was a housewife her most important thing to do daily was to shop for a toy for her son or to print out flyers for her charity events yeah I totally need her day but um yeah so she was ultimately living the same life as her friend, except that her friend was living it as a white lady. So when they're in the hotel and they meet or whatever like that, the friend's husband has to go away because they're in the city for business. They're from Chicago and they're in town for business, her husband's business. So she's like, okay, well, while my husband's away, we can have a drink. So should they go up to the hotel room, which is Claire's hotel room, her white husband and she orders room service, they're drinking like fruits and wine, and they're having a good old time. Now, she's feeling a little bit buzzed, um, Irene, and she's like, you know, still kind of conservative, because she's like, oh my god, you're really living this white life, girl, and you're up in a five-star hotel ordering up stuff, and you have a husband and a daughter, and like, she's just like, they're playing catch-up and having drinks, and she's just like, you can see she's like, um, intrigued, but also like, disgusted at the same time with Claire. Like, I can't believe that you're really living like a white lady. And she's like, Girl, I met you, you know, I just saw you downstairs in the lobby passing for white, enjoying your lemonade, not being bothered or having to care in the world. So why are you worrying about what I do, right? So um the husband comes back to the hotel room, the white husband, which is played by Eric from True Blood. If anyone remembers True Blood from HBO, I loved Eric from True Blood. I'll just put it like that. So He's, like, tall, debonair, blonde guy. So he's he's the husband on the show. So he's not even paying attention to Irene, you know, who's played by Tessa Thompson. As far as, like, he's thinking this just his wife's white friend that she knew when she was little. And they're just having a good old time. He's pouring them drinks. He's, you know, having a good old time with them. Then he starts to... um. Talk about his wife and when he met her, how pale she was, and now she's just she tanned so much that he nicknamed her Nig. Short for nigger, because he said if you keep on tanning on me and getting darker, you gonna turn into a nigger. So that was their inside joke. So she was like, Hey honey, tell um my friend Rennie my nickname. So he tells her the nickname, which is Nig, and then proceeds to tell her why he calls her naked like she's getting darker and darker every minute so Claire is looking at the at at, um Irene like giving her a sly look so to me now because this is one of those movies that was totally made in old New York Hollywood type of fashion you know where it's like a lot of movement, a lot of facial gestures, a lot of like eye contact and a lot of body language is used to convey the story more than actual verbiage. Right. So to me, this particular scene, she was like sitting on the arm of her husband's chair. She just poured him a drink. He's feeling good. He's sitting there oblivious with two mixed girls, not realizing that they are mixed with black. He's thinking they're completely white. He's married to one and has a whole kid with one, and he's just laughing, having a good old time. Like, yeah, I call my wife Nick because I thought she, you know, I think she's turning into a nigger. She's turning blacker and blacker every time I see her. Blah blah blah. So that goes on, and as as she's as he's telling his story, oblivious to the eye contact that um, Claire is giving Irene. That was very significant to me because she's kind of to me almost look like it, I didn't know how to take it at first. Like, is it like, see, he's a fool, he doesn't know, and I still get to do what I want to do, or see, you know, like they, I don't know. I just kind of took it like she was being coy. Like, he's so dumb, and so I just let him call me nigga because he's, I am. I'm a black person, and he's stupid. He doesn't catch it. That was the look. Like, if you see the movie, you got to tell me at that scene when he's telling that story and the eye contact she gives. Um, Irene, you got to tell me if it's like I'm uh, trapped or am I like, he thinks he's smarter than me, but little does he know he's really married to a nigger, right? So that was a very coy look that she gave her there. And I thought that was like, hmm, where is this going? So then now... Um, after he finished tell, telling his story, Irene lets out a big laugh and you're like, maybe she's a little tipsy. W- is she laughing just to like, kind of, you know, show, save face with the husband. Cause she's supposed to be passing as white too, in this whole situation as well. Or is she just laughing at the irony overall? Like he's sitting here with two black women and don't even know it. And he's saying, nigger, ha ha ha. Right. Or is she like, you're a fool because your dumbass is letting your husband call you nigger. So you can have the more opulent thing in life. And I live just as opulent as you do, if not better. And my husband doesn't call me nigger. So anyway, the reason why I say that is because when she left there, she went home. So her husband, who was waiting for her with the kids, and he had a long day at work because he's a doctor, you know, and um, he reminds me of, I don't know, it, it might mess around and be the same guy, but he reminds me of the doctor from The Nick, if you ever remember that show, I think it was like on either Showtime or Stars. it was a really good show back in the day, Um, it was about the Knickerbocker Hospital around the same time, the 1920s. New York right so and this black doctor he was one of the ones that worked at the Knickerbocker but you know they weren't able to serve black patients so he was able to open up a clinic in the basement and serve black patients and he was he had healthier return rates than the people upstairs but that's a whole nother show I'm veering off but all that to say is he looks like the doctor from that show which I was like that's kind of funny because suppose it's like they're trying to say hey this is what the doctor did when he left the knickerbocker but um anyway so the doctor's home he's tired she comes in and he's like hey where you been you know you can't you're home late and she was like oh you know I um ran some errands blah 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 and then it took longer whatever it was but she came in and she just I guess out of total appreciation for what she had in that moment she walked into the house you know her maid was there to take her jacket her kids are rushing to her happy to see her her husband is you know laid out not laid out but you know relaxing in the library you know just like a very nice situation going on right and she just walks in and she just jumps on him and they have like a passionate moment in the living room because you could tell that was to me I felt like that was the um I'm so grateful for what I have oh my god moment right so she tells her husband now, like, later on, they're having, like, pillow talk. And she tells her husband, like, how she ran into Claire. And she's like, yeah, you know, you can believe it. She's married to a white guy, this, that, and another. And she's living a whole white life. And she has a white daughter. And she sent her daughter off to boarding school Switzerland and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel like, oh, my God, that's so repulsive. I can't believe she's doing that. So she was showing, like, disgust towards her husband, you know, towards Claire a safe face for her husband, but to me, I feel like she was really intrigued with the life that um, Claire was living because she was living as a white woman, getting that treatment 100%. Another thing that I have to point out, and this is very key too about the movie, that I think, anyway, is very key. Also, with um, the when the husband was telling the stories about his wife, the white husband was talking about Claire, his wife. And he was like, oh, you think I can't stand niggas? Claire's worse than me. She won't even hire a black maid. She says she doesn't, she doesn't dare want to see a black maid in her kitchen. And she's still giving um, Irene that coy face like, you know why I'm not going to have a black maid. So to me, I was like, "Ah, I don't know. I feel like in this moment here, Claire's kind of the, you know, the feisty one on top because she making, she got white maids. You know, she's, like, living her white life, and she's doing everything, whereas, you know, white people would have black maids. That's the norm in those time frames, in that era, to have a black maid. That's probably, like, you know, God forbid, it probably was, like, one of the best-paying jobs for black women back then, right? So um, she refused to hire black maids. She wanted only white maids. So to me, I said, that was very telling, like, uh, uh-uh, y'all slave us out. I'm a slave y'all out. That's how I took that from the clear aspect of it. So she laughed at everything. and She was repulsed by it. She comes home. She has a black maid. Her whole house is black. The maid is black. Everything is black, but she's also comfortable in her environment because she's like the lightest thing. So in her house, in her community, she's like a white lady, right? Um, Irene, but, um, she felt blacker than black when she was around Claire and her family and her husband. But when she came back, she was just like, I feel, you know, you could say, you could see, cause I'm telling you, this movie was more about body language than actual verbiage, right? You could see that she was relieved to be living the life she's living. So she... Next morning now, she's up. She's looking at her boys, getting ready for school outside. Her husband's getting ready to leave, take them to school. I mean, this is the 20s. They have a nice house, a maid. Once again, I'm going to emphasize that black maid like 50 more times. They had vehicles. You know, they were not living a struggle life. So... Now she's like, you know, I just don't want the boys to have these I- ideological ideals about, you know, they're talking about lynching and they're talking about race and all these queer ideals. Now, when she was saying queer, because the language back then wasn't queer as in, you know, how we use the term today as in gay or anything like that. Queer was in just Webster dictionary term at the time anyway, was um, weird or not normal. Right. So she was like that she's they're having these like weird ideals, and, you know, basically wanting to know about, you know, racism and knowing about, um, you know, why the South people are getting lynched in the South and stuff. And she said she didn't want her boys to be exposed to that. So she was like, maybe we should put them in a boarding school. Maybe we should you know, put them in and protect them from this. And he's looking at her like, what are you talking about? These are black men. They need to know about this because if we don't teach them and prepare them for this, they're going to go out into a world unprepared. So no, I will continue to talk to them about this and we're not sending them nowhere. And so in that moment, I said to myself, is she trying to send them off just so she can compete with her, her home girl who's living the white life? Like, is she trying to be like, Oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do because that's what Claire does. Claire sends her kid to boarding school. I'm going to send mines. So her day, she goes about her day afterwards. The husband's like brushes off that whole ideal about boarding school. She goes about her day. The kids go to school. Then, um, That later on that evening, she went back uptown. I think she took the car. I don't really remember like all the details, but I do remember her friend when she came back from her errands of her regular day. The maid said, Oh, there's a letter for you here, and it was from Claire. So Claire left her a letter basically saying, Hey, even though we, you know, it was great seeing you the other day, and we're going to be in town a little bit longer because you know, her husband, whatever deal he worked out, they're going to be able to stay in New York now, and she was like, and I want us to rekindle, rekindle our friendship because me, me seeing you made me long to come home, and so she didn't want to read the letter, and her husband was like, read the letter, like, what the hell, why this weird lady, you saw her, and she made you so repulsed, now she's writing you a letter, let's open it up and read it, so she he opens the letter, and he reads that, and he's like, I don't do not let her come here, blah, 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 so she's like, I agree, so then, you know, she never responded to her letter. She never, like, she just kind of went about her day. And then after a while, she shows up at her house. And she's like, I know you got my letter. <laughs> she was like, yeah, about that. I Yeah, I, I got the letter, but, like, what do you want to connect with me for? Like, you know, aren't you worried about your husband? Like, why do you want to come to Harlem? Like we're black up here. Like you're pretending to be white. That could be dangerous for you. Like, why do you want to do this? And she was like, because this is where I'm from. And I long to be around my peoples and you, I want to be around you, Rennie. And you just make me feel good, blah, blah, blah. Which makes me feel another way. Like, was there some sexual tension that, Irene had towards Claire and vice versa maybe you know like maybe they were younger I don't know but um it was a lot of tension and I was like well you can still you know Past. So it's not like she's coming to see a 100% black woman, even though when she gets up to Harlem, it's Harlem, they're all black. But you can still pass, so you can still be her cover, like if you're a good friend and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to go hang out and you could be her white friend, you know what I'm saying, and kind of be that for her if if she needed it, if you were truly friends. That's what I was thinking at this point in the movie. So, so she was like, all right, since you want to hang out, I'm going to bring you to my social events. And I told you, like, Irene, the one that lives in Harlem with the black doctor husband, she has a like, charity event, and it's kind of like speakeasy. At different people's houses or different places in Harlem. Like, it's almost like, yeah, like speakeasies where they're dancing, they're having a good time, they're drinking. And, you know, and it's not just, you know, black people there because it was like a white, I don't know if he was a doctor with the husband or how he was associated, honestly, but it was like a white friend he had with the white wife. And they too participated in. Came to the parties. They were part of the crew. Like it was a crew of them that hung out and kind of had dinner one night, party the next night, played spades, and you know they was like a crew. So this white couple also hung out with them. And at first he was like, "Oh my God!" He was intrigued when he saw Claire because he loves Irene because Irene it's clearly mixed right so even though the white guy is hanging out with the black people it's like you know back in those days they're like oh we want to go to the wild side and go up to Harlem and hang out with some people at the cotton club or whatever but so you know although he was hanging out with white people and everything they still had you know white ideologies about black people etc so he didn't even realize that Claire was black passing as white he was like this beautiful blonde girl how does she find her innocent way down to Harlem I'm so intrigued she's braver than me like because you know he, he's you know like I guess you're considered brave to step out of your white comfort zone and go hang out in the jazz clubs and to speak or whatever so um he was intrigued by her and he was like I'm just and then she's on the floor and she's dancing like doing all the you know, moves to me. I said, like doing all the black moves. Like she's like got the soul to her, and everybody's just you know enamored with her. She's like the life of the party, and everyone's like, Claire, who is your friend? Oh my God, you know? No, excuse me, Irene, who is your friend? Claire is amazing. So all of her friends and all of her peoples that you know she's hanging out with and organizing these events for became enamored with Claire. Her childhood friend that came back the one that's passing white because now she's home she's like hey she got the soul back she got her jig going like she dancing like she you know she's doing everything like she black she even started to look blacker honestly like you know the movie was kind of you know it was black and white or whatever to I guess give you that more effect of the time frame but um as the movie went on she started to look blacker in my opinion but anyway um it could have just been the soul coming out you know so Now she's looking around and she's kinda starting to feel like, you know, she's crowding my space because in spaces where I shined for being like the only mixed girl and the only light skinned woman with the soul, here she comes now. And I really can't go over to her side and hang out with her husband and whatever because they're white racist people so what the hell is she doing here you can kind of see it. and once again it's not really much dialogue that's going to give you this it's really the body language and the facial expressions and stuff like that that's going to give you this type of assumption well it, this is the assumption it gave me so now um she's back uptown because th- that's the thing even though, well, excuse me, downtown, because she lived up in Harlem. So she always went to Midtown and Downtown Manhattan and did her shopping. And, you know, just even still when I lived in New York, like everyone went to Midtown and Downtown, you know, to go shopping or Jersey or whatever, you know. So it's the same type of thing. So she, I, I run it this day, Irene, which is the one who has a black husband, was shopping in like maybe Midtown with her black homegirl, like 100% black girl. she You can't tell she's mixed with nothing because she's black, black woman, dark-skinned woman. And they're walking arm-in-arm arm like besties, you know, and it's cold, like New York winter cold. So they are like walking arm-in-arm arm like, oh my God, it's so cold, but we're going to, you know, get to the subway. They was going to the subway. And as they walked past, the husband, Claire's white husband, walked past them. And he turned around and looked like, I know that's not, Claire's white friend Irene walking down the street arm in arm with her white with her black maid like you know what the hell's going on and so she saw him too and she was like come on let's go let's go down the train station so she went down the train station and then, I don't really remember because like the dial it was very little dialogue so it was just like you could tell he he saw her and she saw him and she's like oh my god so the next scene now I thought she was gonna call you know, um, Claire and be like, Claire, your husband see me. Oh my God. He might think I'm passing blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be no problems. Don't come up here. You know, I thought she was going to like give a forewarning, but she took a phone call and you don't really know who she was talking to on the phone. Right. But it was like, she attempted to call someone and they weren't there. And I'm saying like this movie for real, for real, I think I'm going to even have to watch it again. And I watched it like three times and I'm still like, I don't know who she was talking to. Or if like, she tried to call Claire, That's that's what I think. I think she was trying to call Claire. Well, that's the energy it gave me. Like, she saw her friend and she, you know, well, she saw the husband and then she tried to call him to warn him. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, she wasn't there or whatever. So, yeah, that's what it was. Like, she, she did try to call her and warn her. And then, you know, she wasn't there or something happened and it just, like, faded away. So now the next night... You know, as time's going on, though, she's also seeing that her husband, her own husband, the black doctor, is also becoming, like, enamored with Claire, the one that's passing white. And it makes you think now, because he married a mixed girl, so he definitely got a preference, right? So, um, at first he got repulsed by her based on the stories the wife told him. But then when he finally met her, he's like, no, you know, Claire's pretty cool she's a nice person she's a you know she's a life of the party and then the white guy that comes to the parties and hang out with them he kind of sided with his wife Irene and said I don't trust that girl I don't know where you got her from but you need to send her back I don't like her because it's almost as if he was picking up on irene's energy of like she's feeling intimidated by this girl so the white guy tried to stand up for her and be like i don't trust her like as far as i could throw something about her like she has all that going on why does she want to come around here and then he was like well we could say the same thing about you but here you are you know so you know kind of went over you know he defended her and you could see in that moment that irene was like Now you caping for her now? Like, come on. Now You you told me not to hang out with her. Now you caping for her. So then one day, you know, like she started trying to like distance herself a little bit. And then one day she just showed up at her house. So she didn't even know she was there. Now, this is the part that was bugging me out. She's coming down the steps. And then she's coming down the steps. She sees her husband and Claire in the living room whispering into each other into each other's ear and having like a very intense conversation to me i would be like what the fuck we talking about here like you know me like what the fuck going on here but it's like she caught it cuz I'm telling you the body language is on a thousand in his movie she caught it and they're like oh are you ready to go let's go well, i was just waiting for you or just talking with you know with you know your husband waiting for you or whatever it is and um she was like you know what y'all two hang out and she let them hang out and so I don't know what that was about, but if you're f- suspicious or you feel that your friend might be trying to move in on your life, why would you send your husband off with him or with her? But that's what she did. She sent them off on a weird little hangout, and that's where it got it got even more muddier to me. Like, did they fuck? Did they have an affair? Did they take it too far? Because to me, I feel like that moment when she came in the room, she knew they already took it too far. And she was like, you know what? I'm not even going to fight this. Go ahead. you go, Y'all go out. And so they went out. And then, like, a couple of, you know, weeks later, she had another party, like, her speakeasy parties. And she sees them again whispering in each other's ear, like, off to the side. Everybody else is, like, interacting. She comes into the room. They're whispering to each other. So she drops, like, the coffee pot. And then the white guy, once again, there to save her. He's, like, I think he kind of was attracted to her as well, to Irene, because, you know, she's mixed or whatever. So he's, oh, man, I'm sorry, Irene, I didn't mean to bump you. So he's helping her pick up you know, the pieces, and trying to, like, save her from embarrassment of, like, she dropped the pot looking at her husband interact with, um, Claire, and so she was like, no, I dropped it, and then she started saying, like, you know, blah, 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 and me dropping this pot gave me a reason to get rid of it, like, it was, like, some confederate history, she, you knows know, spilled out, like, this pot was from the war of the 18th something confederate flag, such, 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 so this gave me a reason to get rid of it, so maybe it's, like, letting you know, like, she, was black and white mixed and she does have you know like heirlooms and family and you know heirlooms and artifacts or whatever from both sides her black side and her white side and she still treasures both of them you know but I feel like in that moment she started to realize like you know, do I really want to be, it's like she's black and she wants to be just black enough when she needs to be. And then she needs, if she needs to, she can pass and be just white enough. And Irene was comfortable with that happy medium until she met, until she rekindled her friendship with Claire. Cause Claire's an extremist. She goes from extremely, I'm going to be hundred percent white with a white husband and white kids and boarding Swiss boarding schools, or I'm going to be black doing the jig and the shimmy and the jive up in Harlem. And hanging out all night drinking whiskey with the big black husky dude. So there's no happy medium for her, right, for Claire. And Irene, I think that bothered her because she had a happy medium of being able to ride whatever fine line she wanted to and play it safe enough. Like, I'm just black enough, so I'm good over here. And I'm just white enough, so I'm good over here. And then she prided herself on having heirlooms and things from both sides so that's what i think to me was symbolic about that pot because she ran off the whole history about the pot like where the fuck you get this confederate ass pot from but i think it was a family heirloom and then at the same time she's like I got to let go of this stuff because this girl moving into my black life. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm here trying to be priding myself on the little bit of white I have in me. And she has a hundred percent white life and she's covering my black life. So I got to get my life. I got to get my mind right. So I think in that moment it was more like I'm going I'm to give up my black, my whiteness and, you know, be more grounded in this black life I'm living here. You know, so I don't know. You got to see it and you tell me what y'all think. So, um... So that was one thing. And then, you know, so I'm kind of going all over the place. So all of this happened before Claire, seen, excuse me, before Irene seen her, the white husband in Midtown. And she was walking with her black homegirl. So after this, after that, now it gets to the point he sees her. And so she rushes home to tell Irene. Oh, my God. Irene rushes home to tell Claire about it. The one that got the white husband. That hey, look, you might want to play lay low, whatever. But however that conversation went, it was almost as if she wasn't there. So she didn't tell her. So then later on that night or like, it, the way it, it went down, it kind of made you feel like it was later on that night. But later on that night, she comes to the house, to their house and they're all, the husband, her black doctor husband's excited. Oh girls, ladies, I got the perfect party for us. It's going to be nice. And you know, like the, is that another like elite poet friend's house? You know, this is Harlem jazz speakeasy time. So, you know, it was like a lot of poets, a lot of, you know, activists, a lot of musicians all hung out together together and made a made it a thing it was a party it was a, a get-together it was lit a lituation so it was one of those situations and they was going to their house to like enjoy drinks and just mingle and have a party like one of their parties it was all the way up because it was made it was one thing they stressed about this it was like no elevator no lift which is the elevator you know back then like no lift we got to walk all the way up to the like eighth floor so you see them spiral like the spiral horse they' and i'm like this is a true new york building like one of them old ones because some of them buildings unless they change them now because i'm thinking it is 2021 it should be some type of way to add an elevator i don't know but some of them buildings don't have elevators but got hella floors and i'm like picture me buying, renting an apartment on the seventh floor with no fucking elevator hell no and that's why I understand some people move into, like, an apartment in New York and stay there since 1920 because who's moving shit out? But anyway, so it was, like, one of those apartments, and they go all the way up, going all the way They had to stop halfway, like, oh, my God, I'm tired, going all the way up. So it was, like, one of those big buildings, you know, grand stairs. When you get inside the apartment, is like, floor-to-ceiling windows, terraces, just grand everything, you know, hardwood floors, flowing hallways from room to room. So, It was a nice setup, you know, nice little situation. And they was in there partying. So they're in the party chilling. Once again, Irene, which is, you know, the one with the black husband, she's watching Claire with her black husband interacting. Then she's also watching, uh, you know, like basically a couple of guys were just all, you know, just puppy dog eyes over Claire, so that she has a lot of guys' attention at the party. They like laughing at her jokes and they're, you know, spending so much time, etc. And um, she, you know, was just eating it up. Claire, um, Irene, I okay, let me go back. Claire was eating it up, the one that's pretending to be white with her husband. Irene, the one that's black, that just passes for convenience, you can see in her face she was getting a little tight. So she's moving through the party, moving through the party. But let me go back a bit. So the steps, when it was going up the steps, and they had to stop for a little bit because it was tired, she said, Irene asked Claire, aren't you nervous, you know, about your husband finding out? And she was like, nervous, not at all. So she was like, well, what would you do if he finds out that you're passing? And she said, I'm going to come here and live with you. And we're going to be fine and we're going to live together. And she ran up the steps and they go into the park. You saw that dread on her face like, oh, hell no, bitch. You ain't living with me. You could just see that dread in her face. And that was a little bit of foreshadowing to me, in my opinion. Because she said, what would you do if he found out? And she said, oh, I'm coming to live with you. Like, I don't care. And then ran up the steps. Now, the other thing is this. um, She never really told her, you know. And that's why I had to rewind a few times. Like, I know I'm not crazy. But she never told her that the husband seen her, you know, and then it lets me feel like, who did she call? Because the husband came to the party, the same party that same night. And he came there irate. He knew his wife was passing. He knew the wife was, you know, black. And he came there to wreak havoc Right. And they said, how did you know she was here? And he said, I went to the Redfield's house, which is Irene's house with her black doctor husband. And he said, the maid told me she was here. So he came over here and he went to confront his wife. and He's like, you're a liar. You've been passing this whole time. You're a nigger. And they was like, hold on now. You're the only white man in here watch it now, like, you know, we'll fuck you up, don't be up in here getting racist, so he kind of was, you could see in his face, it was like more so hurt and embarrassment more than anger, and then at the same time, he wanted her to leave with him, that's how I took it, like, he was gonna grab her, like, you coming with me, right, but, um, she stepped behind Irene, and Irene put her hand out, like, to, like, I don't know, like, that's the thing. She put her hand out, like, a gesture that could put, maybe be like, hey, get behind me, or hey, you're not going to hit her, you know, because he kind of reached towards her. But then when he did that, it's like, he fell, but he didn't, like, he kind of like, and then, oh, girl went out the window, the white wife, and Irene Is standing at the window with her hand out. Like, did she push her? Did the husband push her? Because they don't show that part. That's another thing. They don't show that part. But now this is the part to me that makes me feel and why I'm going to give you my opinion of what I think happened. And then this is why. So now everyone's like, I had to rewind this part like four times. Oh, my God. This movie is one of those very, like, artsy, I don't know, old school style movies that you have to pay attention and you also have to pay attention to the body language and the details. It's not just what they're saying, but what they're doing, what they're looking at is one of those movies. So I had to a few times. Like, did she jump? Did she get pushed? And if she got pushed, who pushed her? Did the husband push her or did Irene push her? This is my theory. Irene pushed her. I don't know because they say this is based on a book and they say in the book, they kind of was like making a lean towards suicide. I don't know. I never read the book. But in this movie here, in my opinion, Irene pushed her because she saw that she was, I think she probably realized that she was having an affair with her husband, but she probably felt like, oh, this girl think I'm dumb. Then she saw her opportunity to get rid of her when she, because it's like, Why would you, you be walking through these same midtown neighborhoods passing, right? And you know they live over there and everything. Why would you go back through that neighborhood with your black homegirl skipping hand in hand? And you might want to come back next week and pass and go shopping or something, right? So to me, I feel like maybe that was done purposefully. On purpose, let's say like that. Maybe that was done on purpose so that way she can run into him and she can see like, hey, I'm passing and maybe your wife is passing too. I don't know. But then that conversation that she had on the phone call that was very ambiguous, like who is she talking to? Did she talk to anybody? And if she did, who did she talk to and what was said, right? So when you go to the steps now, when they go into the party and she stops on the steps and she says, hey, aren't you scared your husband will find out? And she's like, no. And she's like, well, what would you do if you find out? And she was like, oh, I'm coming to live with you. And you saw that shit on her face like bullshit. I feel like she was trying to get rid of her by exposing her to her husband. That would make her probably feel embarrassed and leave. Or maybe either have the safe face and go back with her husband to Chicago or whatever they were doing because, you know, they're married and they have kids, etc. So just maybe just get her out of Harlem. You know, like go back to your white life and leave us alone. So I'm thinking like maybe she initially called the husband for that to come and like bust up the affair that she was having with her husband and, the you know, trying to take over her life. But then I think when she got on the steps because she knew she told the husband at this point and she knows he's coming to this party because he came to the party you know what I'm saying, and normally, the wife would leave instructions with the maid, like, hey, if someone comes, this is for them, if some, you know, like, so, I'm pretty sure she was like, hey, if her husband comes, you tell him we're over here at the party, so the maid followed instructions, I think she told the husband, he came to the house, because he didn't believe it himself, then when he started to see what's going on, like, oh, this shit is real, my wife is up here in Harlem with y'all niggas, then, you know, it became real for him, so when he, But I think it became real for Irene when she said, oh, I don't care if you find out. I'm just going to come live with you because she kind of, you know, I think the one that got killed, Claire, was kind of looking for an escapism. She wanted to get rid of that, you know, life she was living. It was fun for a while, living like a white lady, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that um, she loved her husband for a little, you know, like, she didn't love him anymore, like, the nigger shit and the racism shit, like, she probably didn't love him, honestly, at all, but, um, so, she didn't really care about that, like, if he wanna leave me, I don't care, you know what I'm saying, because I don't wanna be there anyway, but you could see that was a threat on, um, Irene's whole well-being when she said I'll come live with you, so, I think when the husband came, she probably was like, oh, my God, this is not gonna work out the way I wanted it to, And once again, when the husband was like at the door trying to get in, like, get my wife is in there. And they're like, who's your wife? Like, your wife is not in here. My wife is in there. And she walked over to Irene and she gave her that coy look again. Like, to me, I almost feel like, bitch, I know you was the one that told my husband I was here. That's the look I felt like she gave him. You know, like she went over to her. She looked at her like, Yeah. You told him I was here, but it's all good because now you stuck with me because I'm not going anywhere. Like that, kind of, you gotta see the movie. You gotta see it because it was very coy. Like the one, um, Claire, the one that was passing for white, she was a coy motherfucker. She used her her looks and her body language. It was very kind of evil villainy. But then it's like at the end, you're left with who was really the evil villain, right? Because she died, and um, Tessa which is above Irene, Tessa Thompson's the actress, but Irene, the character. So this is another reason why I feel like she killed her because she um, was the last one to go downstairs. Like, everybody else was like, oh, my God, she went out the window, and they all went downstairs. The party scene what happen. They're downstairs like, oh, my God, she's dead. The white husband ran downstairs. He's down there crying over his wife. He's devastated. Like, he don't know what the fuck is going on. And, you know, just he just found out his wife – was black and then now she's dead, right? So he's sitting there with the body, looking devastated. He's not even telling the police that his dead wife is black. So he's still like, my, this is my wife, blah blah blah. And they were like, oh man, she came up here, to, you know, to be adventurous and got killed, hanging around with the black people. So that's what the police officers saying, like the poor, the poor white lady came up here, blah blah blah. So even the husband is like taking the secret to the grave, like she's white. Right. But the thing is this, when they walked, when she walked out there and realized that she was dead, she was the last one to walk out there. She took her time, her sweet time, put her coat on and went out there. Then she see everybody crying. She saw the husband over there and then her husband comes over to her. Her husband's like, it's OK, it's OK, it's OK, it's OK. And he starts like tending to her because I feel like he's trying to get her to shut the fuck up before the police come over there because it was like, yo, we already told her, like, we already told her that, you know, she slipped out the window, blah, blah, blah. Like, we already told the police it's okay. So when the police came over, she was like, what happened? Like, oh, yeah, 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 she she fell, she slipped. And that was it. So I feel like the whole party covered up the fact that she killed her because the husband and other people was like, yo, because they probably didn't realize that she meant to do it if that makes any sense, because they were all there chilling. But I think that conversation and the step was very foretelling of how I'm going to handle you next. Like, what you going to do if your husband find out? Oh, I'm just going to come live with you. The hell you is. <laughs> or the hell you ain't. Or what are you going to say? Like, I'm trying to talk like that back then. Anyway, and she went and handled her business and threw that bitch out the window. But um, the end was very telling for me to make me say, like, yeah, Irene killed her on purpose because Wouldn't you just be like, yo, it was a mistake, like, I don't know what happened, like, I put my hand, like, you would have said exactly what happened, you know, saying like, her husband lunged at her, and then, I don't know, but they, they let the husband go, like, yeah, his white wife, so they let him keep that secret, and they didn't have to, like, expose that he's over there already mourning, like, his grief for his wife, the husband basically kept the secret, that the wife was, you know, black or whatever, and then I think in that flash of a moment too, just like with us, the husband don't know what really happened, like, did she get pushed, did she jump, I don't know what happened, because he didn't push her, so he's confused, so to me, I feel like she was like, I gotta get the hell, this bitch the hell up out of Harlem, because you're not going to be taking over my life, so now, before I go, I just want to say like this, was it a good movie, it was kind of drawn out, you know what I'm saying, if you have time and you just want to see some like, you know, the, the renaissance era, you want to see that the clothing and the styles and, you know, that type of old New York glam between black people and white people, etc. It's a good movie. Um, you know, it has all the bones of a good movie. The scripting and the moving it along was kind of slow. I thought it was going to be like a revised type of thing, revised version of Imitation of Life. I seen Imitation of Life when I was like a young adult, like, you know, you know, late teens, early twenties. And it's like, you heard about that movie before, but it's an old movie. Like if you see that movie, oh my God. And I was like, what? It's a movie about a black girl passing to be white. Like that doesn't make sense. Right. But it really was a real movie. And and so it was so real that the actual girl who played in the movie really was black. They used to pass for white. Like, Yeah. The movie was real. But um, to me, that movie, even to this day right now, if you was to watch that movie, "Imitations of Imitation of Life, it's painful. It's painful to watch. It also was set in, like, New York, too, like the same time frame, right? So I guess it was a lot of women passing for white in New York. That must have been a thing back then for sure. And not just New York, but I'm pretty sure because it was, like, a lot of these time frames and whenever they talk about the passing, it's always New York, but whatever. But, um... It didn't give me, like, for example, Imitation of Life was definitely about race. It definitely was about a girl that had a black mom that looked white and she her mother was, like, the maid for the white family they lived with. So, for example, she lived a good life. She lived she was rich. And her mother was a millionaire because her mother was, like, basically in a movie, like, the Aunt Jemima lady. You know what I'm saying? Like she made the pancakes and the syrup and then the white lady helped franchise it and they made millions together selling the pancakes and the syrup. And so she, but at home, the black lady is like, oh, you handle all the business, miss whatever. Like say, Miss Jones, you handle all the business. I'm just going to cook and make sure the babies go to school and the house is clean. So that was just in her. Like, you know, I'm a simple woman. I'm not going to, I don't want much. But she wasn't dumb because she had millions. She saved her money up. She invested it. And she wanted her, you know, and she did that so her daughter could live a better life because she knew that it was hard for her because you had a black mom, you're white, and you kind of grew up rich. But you're not rich. And it's like everybody thought the white lady was your mom. And it's like when I show up to get you, you'll be embarrassed, you know? So that was very emotional. Heartstring, anyone who's never ever, you know, seen Imitation of Life, but would just want to really get like a, um experience or like a view on passing in the 20s in New York City, that's the movie to watch for sure. This one just was like more so, these are what light-skinned bitches do in New York, you know, on a Tuesday. That's what it kind of gave me. It wasn't really like oh, they're passing and it's a a big thing about the passing because yes, we had one that was married to a white husband and she was a hundred percent passing. But, um, we had another one who was married to a black husband and she passed for convenience. Like whenever it was convenient for her to do what she wanted to do, she would pass for white. And it was almost like they coveted each other's life without saying it. So to me, that movie should have been like coveting versus you know it should have been titled coveting versus passing because it was really more so about each other wanting what the other had that they felt they didn't have like for example she was comfortable in her um you know harlem or whatever but the way she lived like having a black maid like she was harsh on her maid too like the white like a white lady She was like ah and then even even the husband was like well you know she do have to go home and see her family from time to time like you know we can cook it's okay, like, she was, like, where is she at, like, she was on her, and working the hell out the black lady, like, you know, like, a white lady would, in those times, whereas Claire came in, and she was friends with her maid, like, she became friends with the black maid, and they hanging outside, smoking cigarettes together, and more fraternizing, and she didn't like that, like, you over here fraternizing with my maid, so, in that sense, it's like, you know, you acting like a white lady, you need to calm down, Irene, you know, and so that's why I was saying like, she really wanted to be white, you know, and, um, Claire really wanted to be black, you know? So that was basically what I got from it. It really wasn't even about passing. It was about two mixed girls that was just confused and was covering each other on the side of the fence. Now to me, it, take the, the race out of it, take the whole passing out of it. Cause that was a reach. It, it honestly, to me was a reach. Like it didn't really touch on none of that for me too much to make me feel like, wow, this was impactful, or wow, I, you know, like, it made me feel, man, that's what they went through, like, no, these, these chicks were living good, so in my opinion, if anyone had the an opportunity to pass, I don't see why it wouldn't have passed, because shit, get, you know, less violence, treat you know, done to you, and you get to chill and go wherever you want to go, just like regular people without restrictions or abuse or whatever, duh, so to me, it, you know, like, I passed, and that was just totally not needed, I felt, like, you should have said coveting, or, you know, jealousy, or name it, something like that, because to me, I felt like I seen more jealousy in the movie than I seen, you know, anything more, like, racially aware, you know, um, because majority of the movie was, you know, in Harlem with black people and they weren't mad at her for passing. They weren't mad at her for wearing blonde hair and looking extremely white. They were like, yo, we love her. They were very embracing to her, you know? And um, yeah, so I think like with her living such a white life, she missed that embraceiveness and being able to show love towards black people because she is black, you know? And she went out her way to not have a black maid and do things, but it kind of made her look even more colder or more racist. But she really wasn't. So I think in the end, Tessa started to. Well, I think he wasn't Tessa because that's the actress. But Irene started to realize, like, yo, is this girl better than me? You know, here I am thinking I was repulsed by her, and like, oh my god, she's passing. But everyone's loving her. Everyone thinks she's cool. Even down to my maid. And then my husband tells me I'm work overworking a maid. Like, am I the one that's, you know am I the jerk? Is she's cool? So you could see like she was not feeling that. And so it was more about a jealousy thing versus, in my opinion, versus like, oh, black and white. It just starts out with, hey, these two girls could pass for white. And they do. One does it on occasion. One does it full time. But other than that, once you get past that part of it, the rest of the story had nothing to do with the race until the husband came and was like, you lied to me. And he wasn't even like I think you could see it on his face. He was just like hurt, but he probably would have stayed with her because he loved her. And I think that was like a telling moment for him. Like when he was sitting there and she fell out the window and you know, he's like, cause he didn't say, Oh, she was a nigger. Like he could have been like, she's a nigger. I had nothing to do. You know, he could have went off and you know, it would have been a different situation. He let them treat her any kind of way. But no, he kept her secret you know and when the police came over and whatever they treated her accordingly so to me i felt like you know she knew he loved her and she knew that he probably wasn't gonna leave her and she probably was just messing with um and that's the thing it just leaves you asking questions more than coming up with a, a full understanding of the movie is like well what did i watch and what does this mean? Because there's another part where it's like, you know, was she trying to maybe open up um, Irene's eyes to saying how she is more white than, you know, than Claire is? Like, was Claire trying to say, hey, you're more white than me, and I'm going to show you, you know, even though I got the white husband and the white kids, I'm still black. You know, like it's, so I don't know if that was what, you know, where the passing message was coming in at or whatever. But um, if you just want to see two chicks – covet each other's life, go watch Passing. And if you want to see one chick look like she just don't give a fuck and she, to me, look like she messed with the other one's husband and wanted to take it over, then go watch Passing. But if you're looking like um for, hey, I, I really want to see a movie about some women that were passing in the 1920s in New York, and what did they look like? Like, how could they pass? Because to me, I felt like Tessa Thompson did, and the other one, both of them, she had like a, the nappiest blonde hair ever, but I digress. But I was like, I'm okay, they pass. If you pass it, I pass it. Okay. But, um, imitations of life, and I guess it probably was more true to life for the time frame when it was actually made. But, um, that that lady was like a, a actual. Pan-African movement activist. She was part... She was down with... I think her sister married... Um. God, I'm drawing a blank. But they were all from that time frame. Like, the jazz singers, you know, Louis Armstrong, all that stuff. Like, the girl from Imitations of Life, the real movie, hung out with them. And she was, like, a very prominent, like, part of the black movement in, you know, New York at the time, and in America at the time. So, she rolled with those crowds. So, if you've seen her in *Imitation of Life, you're like... They got this white girl to play a really good role as a black girl, you know, because the role she plays, even though she's like trying to be white and she does her part, she still comes off as a black girl in some scenes where her mom and everything or whatever, like the blackness comes out, but that's it. Just the blackness comes out. She looks completely white. And I was like, wow, this white girl did a good job. And then when I did research, I was like, no, she really is, you know, black. And she said she's 100% black. I don't believe this. somebody white. But, um, yeah, so if you're looking for, like, that type of movie, just go see the original, Imitation of Life. I would not, you would not be stared wrong. Now, one thing I did find interesting, actually, before I go, Cause that's my little review on the movie passing. But what I did find interesting was actually the person who, um, was going to be making her, who directed the movie. So it was like her direct directorial debut and her name is Rebecca Hall. So if you see Rebecca Hall and I had to look at her, like I've seen her on something. What did I see her on? But she's played on quite a few things in particular, the prestige, which was like, a really good movie, she was in that movie, she was in um, Iron Man 3, Transcendence, The Gift, The Gift was a good movie, she was in that movie, she was in The Professor Marston and The Wonder Woman, she was in um, Christine, I didn't see Christine, but I did see um, The Gift, The Awakening, like, oh my god, she did a lot of movies, a, a lot of movies, so if you look up Rebecca Hall, you'll be like, okay but the crazy thing about rebecca hall is she should have played in the movie as passing because come to find out she says that her mother's black her father's white and her mother used to pass you know now i pulled up a picture of her mom her mom was just an extremely light-skinned lady because um her features would have gave it away for me it's the features for me but um I guess, you know, it was r- r- raci- racism and just whatever, you know, they just go by the color. They're not going by, I guess, everything else. I don't know. But she's from Detroit, Michigan, the mom. And um, I think her dad was like a Cherokee Indian and black or something. So they, they were lighter and her mom was light skinned. So they looked like they could be white, you know, or mixed. And so she her her grandfather passed for white to give his kids a better life, and the kids passed for white. So then the mom ultimately became like an opera singer, etc. I mean, she should have just did a story about that. If, in my opinion, so that would be more interesting to me is to see the real life, you know. And then after she became an opera singer, she married her dad, who is Sir Peter Reginald Frederick Hall. And he's an English theater, opera, and film director. So, you know, not saying that English people aren't racist, but I do tend to see a lot, especially early out, a lot more European and people outside of America. you know, don't have a problem with interracial relationships early out. But even though I say that Quincy Jones has a whole interracial, you know, three different families and, you know, it's, so it's not, you can't say that, you know, like, oh, it's this time or that time or whatever. But I think that, um, Rebecca Hall, because if you see her, you know, she doesn't look like she has a drop of black in her, you know, like she had to say, I'm half black and I'm half white for people to say, wow, I didn't know that. And she said the reason why she made this movie, because it was for her mom, you know, like her mom and her, her family had to pass to get better, a better life. And she would hear all these stories, blah, blah, blah. And she wanted to, um, you know, kind of present something to represent her life and, you know, like, to tell her story. And I get it. I think her next di- di- directorial debut should be a story about her mom and her dad. And, you know, I think that would be more realistic or her grandfather and her mom, you know, passing in Detroit, Michigan back in those days in the 40s and 50s. I think that would be dope because that would be more realistic and true to heart. This one, it didn't really it fell flat for me because it just didn't really have a, a lot of. Mm you know, it left you wanting more, like, it was almost like an appetizer, and I'm like, okay, so when's the main course coming out, type of thing, right, but, um, I will say, see that you're at your, um, at your own pleasure, you know, I wouldn't say no or not, because I never want to tell nobody not to support anyone's art, but, um, I did support it, I seen it, I actually had to watch it, like, twice and rewind it a few times on certain parts just to make sure I'm understanding what I'm looking at. So it's one of those movies. So be prepared. And then at the same time, um, yeah, you know, you tell me what you think. Like you could say, Hey, if you did see it, hit me up and be like, yo, I did see it. And I don't know what you were talking about. It wasn't that bad. You know, let me know. But I personally felt like if you really want to get that type of experience or like say, I'm looking for the, passing like how did they do it type of thing or what were they doing when they were passing look at Imitation of Life that's like still to this day that movie I don't know what year let me look it up real quick I don't even know what year that movie was made honestly but um Imitation of Life look I'm just gonna like what year was the movie Imitation of Life made let's see if it says it
1: of life came out on April seventeenth,
0: nineteen fifty nine. I don't know if you heard that. So it actually came out later than I thought, but it wasn't black and white, so but um let me see here if it says Imitation of life, nineteen fifty nine drama. Yeah, so it was set in nineteen thirty three, the actual movie, but it came out in nineteen fifty nine. So that's even deeper, if you ask me. It's even, you know what I'm saying, more interesting because it wasn't like but it was a black and white movie nonetheless, and it was 59. So I guess it's still back then, but, um, that movie would give you a better. So that would give you a better understanding of like, for me anyway, it gave me a better understanding of how that was going on. I have an aunt right now that I grew up with my entire life. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my auntie Faye that, um, in my opinion, You know, she probably hates it when I, you know, say stuff like this, but she could truly pass for white. You know, when we lived in New York and like say she would have us as little kids that were out in the street, she got all these little black kids with her. And then I think because, you know, she had the black kids with her, people thought she was Spanish. So they start talking to her Spanish and she's like, I don't know those Spanish. I am not Spanish. I'm black. And they like, no, mommy, no, mommy, you Spanish, you white, you white. Like, they they'd be trying to, like, figure out her race everywhere we go because they just didn't understand that she was black because she was too light, you know. And then, like, say when she was ready, she'd go blonde. It's a wrap, like a wrap. And when my aunt start talking, like, you know she's a black woman. Like, she's going to let you know just as soon as she start talking, you know, she's a black woman but um if she was on that stuff or if it was like the times that we were you know a different time I could see her passing with no problem no problem you know because she just even her name like you know I'm saying it just was nothing about it but um she's married to a black man has black kids part of a black family and proud to be black it would tell you that every day you know so it's just I don't know this is the world we live in you know like I guess it was it's still racism and stuff is still on the forefront and still serious. But back then it was like color. And it also shows you how color can blind you because you're so pressed about color that you don't even realize that these people are not what their color is. You know, so just because their color might be light, their ethnicities is a different thing. Their culture is a different thing and their family and their way of life is different. And that's what, um, I think like imitations of life kind of touched on that really greatly whereas passing failed <laughs> you know what i'm saying they didn't even get a passing grade in my book because you know good try but it maybe put a little bit more meat or potatoes to the storyline and then maybe they just wanted to play it safe you know what i'm saying because the the director to me doesn't really look like she lived like a black life i digress but um yeah so maybe they were just playing safe with the movie but um if Rebecca All ever hears this episode, not that it wasn't a bad movie, but I think if next time do a movie about your mom and your grandfather, maybe not directly about them if you don't want to, like, expose your family to this, but maybe kind of use them as inspiration and talk about a mother and a, a father and a daughter and a husband and a wife or something that lived in Detroit, Michigan, and were passing for white. That would be a dope storyline, you know? I think that would be dope, but, um, I'm gonna leave y'all with that. Like really and truly, like, I don't even know what song would be a good song for this, you know, but, um, to end this episode, but I do know that Mahalia Jackson did a lot of this. I think she did the whole soundtrack for imitations of life. Let me see real quick. The imitations of life soundtrack. Oh, no, there I go. Talking is not working. Let me see here real quick. Bear with me, y'all. Ah, how perfect is that? Now, it's going to be very somber, guys, so I apologize, but that's the episode that we're in. And um, yeah, we're going to use this one, Trouble of the World, because Mahalia Jackson, like that's another reason, because to me, with movies, you know, um, with good movies anyway, the soundtrack is going to be great. It's going to even be even better. So for example, like I just told you guys about the Heart of the Fall. It was no brain. I knew which song to pick off of there. This one didn't even have a song. Like it didn't even have a good theme song or nothing to it. It was just blah. You know, so I'm going to hit y'all with the um, Mahalia Jackson song and it's going to be Troubles of the World. Ironically, this funeral scene in this movie, because ironically, I felt like she was trying to do a loosely based version of Imitation of Life. So see both of those movies and tell me what you think. But um, in the end of Imitations of Life, there was a funeral scene and the funeral scene closely resembles aliyah's funeral when they had her funeral and they had the glass casket with the horse-drawn carriage and all that stuff imitations of life i even want to say that this was the song don't hold me to it because i was not at aliyah's funeral but i I don't remember all the details but i really want to say this was one of the songs that was playing as you know they were walking out you know the cat following the casket out in the carriage so everyone was like oh my god Aaliyah you know his mom and them did the funeral scene from Imitation of Life for Aaliyah's real funeral so check it out if you want to like anyone who remembers that or want to google that like you know Aaliyah's funeral scenes and watch Imitation of Life you tell me what you think because I agree it definitely did look like you know some art imitated life there And, um, yeah, there we go. So I'm gonna leave you guys with a very somber song this week. I do apologize. Well, this episode, I do apologize in advance because it's very deep, but listen to the words, you know, because they still are relevant to this day for 1959 or not. And this movie, even though it was like, you know, soundtracks probably wasn't even a thing or whatever like that. This movie won soundtrack won awards for the soundtrack as well you know so that's another reason that, that's why I, that's how i kind of judge my the success of a movie you know the soundtrack the the, the plot the storyline the acting like it's, it takes a little bit of everything but um i kind of gave you two for one i gave you a review of imitations of life which i didn't even mean to do but definitely check that out and check out past it is on netflix right now y'all check it out and tell me what y'all think am i being too judgmental. Did you think it was good? Am I think am I right or do you agree with me that Irene was the killer or do you think otherwise? If you do think otherwise, let me know what you think. Share your thoughts with me. I am more than happy to chime in and you know hear some guys chime in with me guys. Let me know what's going on. All right. So you know my motto, I'm heading out now. Love yourself because you cannot love me if you don't love you. Spread love. Spread love is the Brooklyn way. Okay? And you also know, tell a friend. If you like it, tell a friend. If you don't like it, tell a friend. It's not going to hurt either way, right? Tell a friend. That's how I feel. So until next time, y'all, y'all stay good. Love y'all. Much love. Much blessings. Peace.